This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook, and at trevorjamesflutes.com. Hello and welcome this week to Talking Flutes Extra with me, Jean-Paul Wright, from Santa Monica, suburb of Los Angeles in sunny California. And why am I here? Well, let me tell you the story. I've known this flute social media influencer for many years and I said one day that if I ever came to Santa Monica, I'd take her and her boyfriend out to dinner. And I'm in Santa Monica. So what better person to sit in an outside coffee shop in a gorgeous warm evening in Santa Monica than with Gina Luciani. Hi, Gina. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. really good. Good. Thanks so much for having me out. This is so fun. It, it's going to be fun, isn't it? Yes, I think so. I'm already having fun. Oh, that's really <laughs> sweet. Thanks for double espresso, by the oh, way. Oh, of course. Anytime. So this year, not this year, last year even, well, that was a mega year for you, wasn't it? It was a pretty insane year, yeah, 2019. It was a good, it was a good uh, precursor to 2020. Yeah. Yeah. And when it comes to flute playing, we've talked flute playing in general. Of course. You've played with some rather impressive cast lists that you don't always tell people. <laughs> right. Um, so come on then, you did Coachella with whom? Uh, Mr. Kanye West. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. That was a really fun time. This year was really interesting and that's one of the things I love most about what I do is I get to play with a lot of different artists. So, you know, play with Kanye West. Also played with, like in the same day, played with Sarah Brightman as Kanye West on one of the Sunday services that we did. Yep. So obviously, very two very different um, artists, right? And uh, played with Ariana Grande, played with Josh Groban, played with El Devo, played, oh man, I'm trying to remember, played with Billy Idol, Steve Lukather from Toto, which of course everyone has heard of Toto the band, he's the amazing guitarist from them. Yeah. So it's, uh, I know I'm forgetting people and I feel bad. Oh, Churches, of course. Uh, so a lot of different amazing artists, all very different artists, but it was a lot of fun. And what they like to work for? So for example, Kanye, right? <laughs> yes. He's, he's, no, he's known for being notoriously difficult. Right. I would say more than difficult, he's just very opinionated. Right. So he knows what he wants and he's not afraid to ask for it. I think maybe other artists, they're not quite in the place in their career yet that they can fully ask for what they want. They kind of have to go with what they're given, but he can do what he wants now. And musically, does he have input into the, the band that's yes, playing? Yes, 100%. Even in the middle of the performances, he'll switch things up. It's actually really cool. There would be times we would have rehearsed kind of in a particular way. Honestly, we never really ran things top to bottom. It was just kind of like we ran through things, kind of, but it would change every single time we played the songs. So 
sometimes he'd be like, okay, just choir here, even though we had practiced playing that part, or, okay, we're going to have an interlude of just the band, you know, and it would just be changing constantly. And even in the middle of Coachella, he was rewriting the set list. You can actually see it, like, if you go back and rewatch the, um, the stream that they had, the live stream, you can see him rewriting the set list. So it's pretty crazy that you just never knew what to expect. And does he notice each part's within, or is he just the big picture? Yeah, he definitely was very observant of everything. He knew what was going on, so. And Ariana? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. She's just an enormous talent and she is. her voice, every single, I've you know had the pleasure of hearing her sing quite a few times and every single time is amazing. She hits it every single time, yeah. She does, we noticed that because obviously she played a lot in the UK because of what happened in Manchester. Right. And then when she came back to do the tribute concert, she nailed it every single mm -hmm. note. And that must have been really hard for her. So no, what a privilege to play with these people. Yeah. Sarah Brightman, tell me about Sarah Brightman. We all uh, love Sarah, but... Yeah, I mean, one thing that was really cool is that part of the reason I decided to go into music and into being a session player was because of Phantom of the Opera. Yep. Um, I listened to the cast soundtrack growing up over and over and over again. And then once uh, the movie came out, of course that wasn't her, but she was the original Christine. I was obsessed with that movie. We played that in orchestra when I was um, in high school, and that's because of that and Pirates of the Caribbean, I wanted to go into film music. So it was so cool to actually get to play some of, I think, let's see, we did Phantom of the Opera, and I, I feel like there was one other song that we did from the musical, but it was just amazing to actually hear her do it live and to be playing behind her. It was just so cool. And she hits everything. 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 Yeah, I mean, that's the cool thing is all these people, both of them, Kanye, obviously, Ariana, uh, Sarah Brightman, Josh Groban. Oh, my goodness. Really? He is so good. Yeah, and he's a really, really nice guy, really funny, very charismatic, like, great guy. So that was a lot of fun. I've gotten to, uh, I've had the privilege of playing with him three or four times now. So it's been really fun every single time. Is there a band coming down the street? I think there's what? a band. That's oh fun. yes, right there. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's a Harry Krishna. There you go. Yeah, that's fine, yeah. We get those in London occasionally. Oh, do you? Yeah, we do. Down Oxford Street. Hare, hare, Krishna, Krishna. <laughs> Keeps things exciting. Yeah, but they always seem to be very happy, don't they? That's and that's let's talk about happiness, because you're always happy. Oh. You're always smiling. I try. What's, <laughs> what's the key? I mean, being a flutist, it's not easy to be happy. Oh, <laughs> yes. I mean, really, I think it's just about limiting the negativity in your life. And if something, you can't always control that, right? You're doing a particular, <laughs> this is so like amazing and distracting, but awesome. Um, but yeah, I think the thing that's really important to remember is, yeah, you can't always control what jobs you're doing, and there's gonna be times you're not happy with a certain situation, but if you're choosing to put yourself in that situation every single day, it's probably time to change. So I've always just tried to surround myself with really positive people that I feel inspired by. As a musician, as an artist, you need to be inspired by the people that you're around. Yes. So. Um, and I'm competitive in the way that if I hear something good, I say, oh, I need to go practice now. Not to outdo the other person, but to get better myself, you know, and be original, be me, and be the best that I can. Be me. Yes. That is so important. I think it's really important. No one can be a better you than you. So, I like that. And practice. 
practice. So, what type of practice does a normal Gina do? Oh man, I don't even know. Like, okay, well, one of the things that I've been doing a lot more recently is a little less traditional, as I have all my world flutes. Yes, so you do. I'm trying to learn all of them. <laughs> I don't think I can keep up with all the flutes that I keep getting, but uh, you know, each one is so unique and original and different from each other, right? So you have to put a lot of time into each one of those. So I've been doing a lot of work with all of those. And I like to do a lot of sight reading practice because I have to do that for my job. Yeah. Uh, that's really important That's for film me. work, isn't it? So you literally go into the studio and you don't know what's gonna be in front of you. Most of the time, yeah. Probably at least 90, 95% of the time, yeah. And a lot of times, I mean, sometimes you'll even get there and they're like, hold on, we're printing out the music. It's not even printed out yet. It's not even on your stand yet. So even if you get there early, sometimes you don't have a chance to practice it. So it just requires a lot of uh, <laughs> focus and being able to sight read really well. And that's straight in, is it? There's no rehearsal, it is? No. Mm -mm. And I mean, there's times that we'll do one take and that's it. It just depends, obviously, how much time you have and everything like that, but there's times it's only one take and that's it, so. One take. A little stressful, <laughs> but fun. And do you, do you see the film over the top? Or? It depends, sometimes, sometimes not. It depends on the space. Sometimes there's issues uh, that they're worried about certain things being spoiled. Oh, okay. Things like that. Uh, it, so it just kind of depends. Honestly, it's kind of a little, uh, distracting, depending on where they put it. Uh, there, I've done a couple documentaries about like animals. Yeah, you did the Blue Planet, didn't you? Uh, Planet Earth. Planet, Planet Earth, Earth that, too. That, that, yeah. That type of thing. yeah. Yeah, they're basically the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, so what happened? Did you see that over the top? Yeah, I'm seeing like I think it was like a fox jumping or something, and it was like so interesting, and I almost missed my entrance, and then I learned I was like, can't I can't do that again. So not until I am done with the queue. Uh, or I'm tacit, I won't watch it. So how do you still then know when you're going to come in? So say you've got 40 bars rest, because you haven't played this piece before. Right. How do you know when you've got to... You have to count really well. <laughs> Sometimes they will have a marker up that will actually show right. the, the count that they're on. Because it's not... It's very rarely two, four, 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 three, four. Yeah, sometimes it's incredibly difficult. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There was one that I did fairly recently that we had seven, four, five, four, like all these things, and it was like all these offbeats and the rhythms kept changing, and so it was it was pretty difficult to do, and everybody <laughs> was a little panicked for that cue. Is there a big party of people coming behind us? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday night in Santa Monica. It's busy. It's so busy. I don't think the last time I was here on a Saturday night it was not this busy. It's crazy. What is it? Third Street. Third Street. Yep. Yep. I went boy, but I've come here many times with my kids as they grew up, and it, we spend many and many an evening down here. It's so fun. It's a lot of fun. And obviously Santa Monica Pier, the world famous right. pier. Very famous. Yep. So what's going to happen to you this year? Who knows? You know, it's really funny. Today, well, not technically this date, but the week of NAM, Saturday of NAM, was my first rehearsal with Kanye last year. Isn't that it funny? Was, yeah. You told me. You yeah, told me the last year. I, I ended up, yeah, I got the call on Friday when I was walking in yep. to NAM, and I think we talked on a podcast yes. about this. Um, because it was going to go out afterwards. Right, so you it was afterwards. Breaking, so yeah. I wasn't breaking any, no. pro, like, any rules or anything. Yeah, so. But yeah, a year ago, and I literally found out the day before, you know? So these things happen so quickly. 
uh, you know, I have several things planned. I'm going to be doing some like recitals, masterclass workshops at a couple different places. So you're going to go back to the classical Gina? I'm doing a lot of classical, but then I'm also doing some more like pop stuff and yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and this is the bit I want to tease out of you, the yes. pop stuff, because you are sort of like the Ariana Grande, the uh, flute world. <laughs> well, thank you. Are you going to deviate into that type of music? Well, I love that kind of music, so uh, I've been working with a composer actually recently and he's going to be helping me produce some of these songs and... So you're going to produce yourself? Yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, I like having a lot of control, and I mean song by song. Like, I, I'm, they're not. I don't want it to be necessarily like pieces. That's as much as I'm gonna say. Yeah. Yeah, but it's gonna be exciting. I'm really excited. I want to have a new sound that no one's heard before. Not from me even, but like from flute in general. So that's what I'm working on right now. What I found with you on social media, you've started a trend and everyone's <laughs> copied, and you've had to then deviate off into another one. Yeah, and then it happens again and yes. again. But <laughs> that's okay. I mean, they say, what is the term? Uh, is it copycats or the, no, what is it? The sincerest form of flattery or whatever is uh, imitation, it right? Is, yeah. So, which is, you know, fine. And like, I think the first initial times it was a little difficult because I put so much time into being original. But you're and a perfectionist, come I on. am such a perfectionist. <laughs> I put so much time into it and then somebody can recreate that very quickly, you know, and even though you're trying to be original and then, you know, I think I'm like 90%, 99% sure I was the first one to ever do one of the multi-track things. Yeah. And now we know that like everybody, and I love that. I love that people now have this option of doing that and creating arrangements or playing arrangements themselves. And I think it's really cool and being able to collaborate with people all over the world. So I'm glad that I was able to help out and uh, raise awareness to something else that people can do. Is there a happy person coming along? Very happy. <laughs> as long as it's happy, I am all for it. Online. Online bullying, online social media. I'm not gonna, I don't wanna concentrate on a negative, but speaking to a, a woman that mm -hmm. is a social media influencer, you must have experienced the negativity <laughs> that online brings. Yes. What do you do in your experience, having been through this, what advice yeah. would you have for anybody that is ex beginning to experiencing it or has, has experienced it for a long time? Right. Well, yeah, it's true. Like, a lot of people are very negative online. They hide behind their screens. I was actually watching a documentary today, and it was um, it was kind of like a... <laughs> they're back. How exciting. <laughs> but they were talking... It, it's a true crime documentary, and it was right at the start of social media. I think Facebook had been around for one year. Twitter had just started. This was about 2007, and people were so negative and attacking these people right at the beginning because I was curious I was like when did this start happening that people were negative online and it was from the very very beginning really it was mm -hmm. that 2007 isn't that crazy so Instagram wasn't even no. uh, invented yet or like it wasn't out yet so it's just been a thing you know there's a lot of people who are negative uh, for whatever reason most of the time I think it stems from them not being happy with themselves and needing to put other people down yeah. to make themselves same thing as a bully in real life you know and it's really sad so I think even with a real-life bully you have to realize that it's a reflection of them and not a reflection of you so you're just flipping the way you look at it rather. yeah 
Yeah, so I just, you know, as much as I can, I mean, there's times that I read something and I'm like, oh, that's, you know, not the nicest thing that they could have said, but I don't ever dwell on it. I, I just think of it as, wow, I, I feel really bad for that person, but it doesn't, I don't let it affect me anymore. And do you, do you communicate with the no. negativity, but you always, always ignore? I always ignore. If the person is like persistent and keeps writing negative things, I'll usually just block them because there's no need for that to happen. Yeah. Uh, but I don't ever engage. And that's the key for social media. Don't engage. If somebody's yeah. writing it, it's because they want to troll. Yeah, exactly. They're wanting a response. They want to have a conversation and to, you know, they want to know that they were successful at making you not feel good about something. So if you respond, you're in a way letting them win, so I don't let them win. <laughs> that was a loud bike, wasn't it? Very loud. <laughs> right, world flutes. Let's go back to world flutes. Okay. A few years ago, you hadn't even you hadn't even ventured into this area. Not really. No, I, I had a couple, but it was really probably in the past two years, two three years, that I really started getting into them. And you're doing a lot of work on it now, aren't you? A lot. Yeah. Like I just uh, did something last week on pan flute. Uh, this week I did something on my native flutes, so it's just so much fun though of being able to venture out, have this different sound, but it's still related to flute and gives you just even more freedom to do, to create different sounds and different types of music. So how do documentary makers or filmmakers or orchestral managers know that you have all this in your armory? Um, well, I do have it, of course, on my website. Yeah. And one thing that's really nice is I do have like playing examples of all well, I will say it needs to be updated. I've since I put everything up on my website, at least doubled my collection. So I need to update that in all my free time, of course. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm going to be working on that, and also just like a, a word of mouth. And a lot of the composers that I work with just ask about it, or they see it on social media, or things like that. Ocarinas. Let's we might we might as well go through the whole Let's lot. Let's do it. You Let's have a it. passion for ocarinas. They're so fun. I'm actually, I'm doing tutorials, so I'm doing tutorials on those, but I'm also going to be doing a tutorial coming up on native flutes. That's okay. going to actually be later this month, so depending on when this podcast comes out, it might already be out. Yeah, it'll be in February. Okay, yeah, so it should be out, and um, I'm doing one for the Hall Crystal Flutes as well, just because... What happened to me was that I started on these and it was really scary. I don't, since I started flute so young, I don't remember starting flute and learning flute. And of course, I had a teacher teaching me how to do it the whole time. Yep. And so starting a new instrument and teaching myself was really scary. And a lot of these, you know, you can't find, a lot of these, you can't find videos on how to actually play them. You just kind of have to figure it out on your own, look at a fingering chart and like hope for the best. So now that I've kind of done like the grunt work, I'm like, okay, well let's, I want to help people out now and uh, they're a lot of fun to play, you know, in conjunction with playing flute or if you play another instrument and playing them and they're just, it's just a lot of fun to try different things. So which one would you choose to do it on? It's all different sizes, aren't they? There's a lot of different sizes. You mean on the ocarina? Yeah, well, or ocarina just or native. Man. I don't know. There's is I mean the one thing it's harder to play the the lower ones for sure. So it's nice to be starting probably like for instance on the Ocarina it's doing a tenor. The bass is so hard to hold because it's so big, it's heavy. 
and it hurts my hands. I have smaller hands. You do. So, so what do you do on the, uh, the, <laughs> the big one? Well, actually, what I do on on a lot of these flutes is, uh, especially like the ones that are like the transverse style, the you know held like a, a regular traditional flute. Uh, I will, since they're just holes, I will actually take electric tape and put it over just a portion of the hole so that uh, it's partially covered and just make sure that it doesn't actually mess with the tuning but that that way since my finger can't actually cover the hole all the way even if I'm playing like what is it called piper style or whatever that you're playing more in the middle of your fingers the more fleshy part of your fingers I still can't cover it because my <laughs> fingers are so well and I also can't reach them very well either beyond my fingers just not being wide enough to actually cover the holes so you know you make a little adjustments to make it work for you and I know you very well as being an absolutely stunning alto and bass flute ah, player. Thank you. I love, I mean, you know, and I post about it all the time, but actually my favorite of all the flutes, you know, whatever, traditional flutes, if you will, is alto. I love the timbre. I love the sound. I love playing it. It's so, it's such a beautiful sound. And I love bass too, but what I love so much about the alto is that it's just, you have more facility. You can still play like the really technical passages, but it has like this otherworldly sound. Bass is so much fun, and I feel like, especially for uh, film work, it's kind of like effecty or you know more of like a drone sound or this slow, beautiful melody or whatever. So, but then the alto gives you the facility of the flute a little bit more. So I, I have, I just both of them is so much fun to play both of them. And we've also noticed, I think everybody on social media mm -hmm. has noticed that you've redone a room in your apartment. Yes. I have a studio and it's been so much fun. I, I got a new audio interface, I got a new microphone, sound panels, everything, so I'm all decked out and ready to do. I mean, I've been doing re remote recordings for a very long time, but now I've just upgraded my entire system. Tell me about remote recordings. Yeah. Tell me what, what that is and yes. how you are part of a, a massive, great mm -hmm. film orchestra, right. but actually not being there. Yeah, it's actually so cool because uh, you can re record wherever you are in the world. And I might be doing some more traveling in the next couple years, and I'm going to just bring my remote setup with me so that I can still work from there. But basically, the composer or the producer or whoever will just, oh, our friends are back. <laughs> Our friends are back. They're Yay! so happy. Oh, but um, it's perfect. They're providing a soundtrack to our <laughs> podcast, so it's just absolutely perfect. <laughs> but they send me the tracks. They send me uh, any of the pre-records that they've done, the click track, or sometimes I will import the click track or make, create the click track myself, and then I'll record, and then I send them back the stems, and they're able to put it right into their session. And it's a lot of fun to do that, and I can work with people because of that all over the world. So that's really, really cool to do that. And I've worked on soundtracks, I've worked on pop albums. I, I think I did something for like a meditation album or something, or like a yoga something. I don't, I can't remember what it was, but it's just, it's really fun to do that. And you know, I'm playing all the different flutes. A lot of times, I'm playing the world flutes in those as well, and it's just a lot of fun. So I know what a click track is, but tell yes, me my okay. audience what that is. I, it's just, I work with it so much, so yeah. sometimes I just think, oh yeah, everybody knows what that is. A click track is basically just a metronome giving you your tempo in your, ear. in your ear, so that obviously in the recording you're not hearing it, but it's allowing you to stay with the rest of the ensemble that you're playing with and making sure you're in the right tempo. Doesn't it put you off? Ah, uh, no. I'm pretty, I'm pretty used to it now. And what people don't realize is when you go to live gigs, mm -hmm. all the musicians have got kick, uh, click tracks. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's crazy. Like, for instance, uh, earlier this year, no, I guess it's last year, May, I was doing The Little Mermaid live at the Hollywood Bowl, and, it, you know, it's live to film, so they have to make sure that, you know, you can't be too slow, you can't be too fast. There's, of course, different hits that you have to hit with uh, the film. So, for instance, I'm just going to totally make something up right now. The, all of a sudden, there's a shot of a, white, a wave going over a boat, let's just say, and they need a big you know, hit on that, then what happens is, you know, they need, you need to line up with that. Somebody is not happy. Those are not happy people. <laughs> Unlike all of our friends earlier. Um, but you have to hit that with the, the film. The music has to hit with the film. And so it's really important that it matches. And so that's what you have the click track for. So we were listening to the click track and we also had a conductor to why, make sure. Why did you have a conductor then? Well, just because he needed to let us know when we were actually starting. He was there for also like queuing and he's watching it. It's actually really cool with those live to film things. There's actually usually a uh, video that they're watching and it's showing when they're when the orchestra is about to start playing and they'll raise their baton to, okay, everybody listen and let's get going, you know, and get ready. And they're, they're really leading the orchestra. It's so helpful having them. So what's it like playing at the Hollywood Bowl? Oh, I love it. Every time I play there, it's just so much fun. One thing that was really cool with that is my parents came, and Little Mermaid was the reason I started playing. I got to play the part that uh, I actually asked my mom, what is that? You know, the, here's a funny story, though. It's actually a recorder that was being played, and I asked her what it was, and of course, I was four years old, so she was like, oh, that's a flute. Uh, it would have... <laughs> Wouldn't it have been crazy had I started recorder instead of flute? It would have been an entirely different career path. But uh, yeah, so I got to actually play the recorder part. And I forget who I was talking to this week, but they said, oh, how long did you know that you are playing recorder for that gig? And I knew about maybe like three or four days before the first rehearsal. They sent us the music. That one, they did send us the music because it was an actual live performance. And there was a, a couple of recorder parts, and so I had to do a lot of practicing. Did you have to go and buy a recorder? Or I luckily one? had them. I had them, and I had learned how to play them, but I didn't start on recorder, so that's actually something that I've had to learn in the last, you know, three years. And uh, actually, over the holidays, one of my, my Christmas presents for my parents was a recorder, and then I bought the rest of the set, so I have all of them, and wood, wooden recorders, and they're really beautiful. Yeah. So what's on your bucket list for your career? I mean, you've played with so many famous people. What I do you know, really want? I feel so lucky. Uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm really thankful because I didn't think I would be here yet uh, doing what I wanted to do so quickly. So I'm very thankful for that and the opportunity. But I have a book I'm working on, like kind of like more like a workbook for people. and. I'm trying, I've had this idea and I've, I've started working on it actually like two years ago, but things just keep getting crazy and then I don't have enough time to finish it. So hopefully this next year it will be coming out at least by the summer is what I'm hoping. So that will be coming out, hopefully a new album soon. Again, it's just so hard. There's just not enough hours to do everything that I want to be doing. Of course, continuing with the film work. I have quite a few things coming out this year. Netflix, I have Lock and Key, which is coming out beginning of February, and that's going to be a pretty big show on Netflix, so I did all the flute solos on that, so it'll be really fun. It's going to be a good year. I'm very busy. I, I would imagine it's very hard for you to make a CD, or you to make an album, sorry, mm -hmm. 
I need to be absolutely happy with it. Oh my goodness. My last album I almost didn't release because I wasn't happy. Oh, it's fabulous. Oh, thank you. There were just like certain things about like the miking that I wasn't super happy with. I was really happy with, happy with the playing though and I passed it around to people and they, they said, oh, don't worry about it, put it out. And so I actually did end up releasing it, but it took me a while to put that one out. I, I edited the whole thing myself in Pro Tools and because I didn't want to trust anybody else with it, I wanted to make sure it was 100% what I wanted it to be. And you're used to mastering everything yourself, are you? Oh, not at that time. <laughs> now, that actually taught me Pro tool, Tools incredibly well. I had had some experience with it before that, but that that gave me a pretty uh, good basis of how to edit and how to record in Pro Tools and everything like that. So tell me a bit about Pro Tools for our audience. Yeah, so Pro Tools is a music software to be a music recording software, essentially. Uh, there's several different ones, and same, it's Avid is the one that actually has that, uh, and they also have Sibelius, which is a music notation software, which I use as well. And you, as a professional musician, you need to have one of those, 100%, I think. And, I mean, they also have, one thing that is cool is they do have, like, student versions and free versions, so you can start on them when you're younger and you know, see if it's something that's helpful for you. And I used it in school a lot. It was really, really helpful. So it was really nice to have. And now, of course, I have the full-fledged version, uh, the what uh, ultimate, I think is what they call it, the Pro Tools Ultimate, Sibelius Ultimate, because I actually need to have all the tracks that I have uh, that the free version does not include. And you can enrich every every note that you play, can't you? Oh, in, in terms of, like... Uh, widening the uh, sort of the harmonic structures you oh can, yeah. yeah like adding reverb and everything yeah. like that yeah there's a bunch of plugins you can add and things that you can do in post and everything like that so a lot of fun things that you can do typically though unless it's just like my own arrangements or my own recordings if it's something for somebody else like a, a composer or whatever I give it to them raw completely Absolutely. raw Absolutely. so that they, they can add whatever they want so that it matches everything else that they're doing. Because have you noticed online, a lot of flute players, um, they have to put the reverb in, which is almost hiding behind a pillow, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, is I need it to be absolutely perfect without the reverb. And then you add the reverb to give it just like a little bit more of a fuller sound, I guess you could say, but you have to have a good sound. You have to have the right notes and everything. You can't be hiding behind but, the reverb. If you're gonna send something off to a composer, it's like somebody practicing in their bedroom and it's really dead. It's so dry. Yeah. It's like, no, it has to be as dry as possible. So can you hear the depth and the width of the tonal structure of each note? Yes, you can. Yeah, but they'll, they'll of course add reverb. You, you never hear something that's in uh, actual, you know, film soundtrack or whatever, or TV soundtrack that hasn't been uh, added, like reverb has always been added to that, you know. But there's subtle reverb that just enhances the depth. It, it enhances, it? it doesn't mask. No. Unless that's what they're going for, that they want a very like swimmy sound, like an effect kind of thing. Yeah. But that's more rare. They need it, they need it perfect before they add anything to it. Gina. Yes. Um, where was your man? He's wandering he, he's around. He's wandering around. He should be back very soon. <laughs> should we go for dinner? Let's do it. Uh, well, it's absolutely. It's been my pleasure to uh, oh, to sit in this you. cafe and to watch the Harry Krishna people march through yes. three times. Three times. Is that going to bring me luck? It's four. It's four. It's coming oh, up it, right now. Coming back again. Mm -hmm. So Gina, tell me. Right, website is GinaLuciani.com. Yes. 
Spell Luciani for people? Yes, L-U-C-I-A-N-I. And Gina with, you know a lot of people spell my first name wrong. Really? Yeah, I get it all the time. And it's actually, this is so funny. People will, I'll email somebody and they'll email me back and write the wrong spelling. And I'm like, it's right there. And so it's G-I-N-A. So GinaLuciani.com. Yeah. And on social media? Gina Luciani Flute on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Wonderful. Yes. Gina, as always, as <laughs> always, as always, it's wonderful to see yeah, you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Will I see you again in August at the NFA? I hope so. It'll be so fun. Yeah. And you're coming this year. I'm so excited. I am. Yay. So let's go and have some wine and uh, have some food. Gina Luciani, thank you very much. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this podcast. And I'm hoping that the Hare Krishna people that are wandering past now with their happy, smiling faces and drums add just the, an extra <laughs> to this podcast with Gina. And as usual, we close with the wonderful Giovanni Perez with Besame Mucho. Enjoy your next week of music making. And from us all, goodbye. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.